and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins, and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For the peace of the whole world, 
for the well-being of the Church of God and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. Help. Save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is our reading, this God, victory for our God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Worthy is Christ of the Lamb who was slain. protection to support us in all dangers and carry us through all temptations. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The scripture readings for this, the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany, the Old Testament reading from the 18th chapter of Deuteronomy, verses 15 through 20. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him that you shall listen. 
just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. lesson from the eighth chapter of first Corinthians verses 1 through 13 concerning food offered to idols we know that all of us possess knowledge this knowledge puffs up but love builds up if anyone imagines that he knows something he does not yet know as he ought to know but if anyone loves God he is known by God and therefore as to eating of food offered to idols we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, Will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. Hallelujah. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, o They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all of the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate, he suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. St. Mark writes that they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. This is our text, dear friends in our Lord Jesus. Some 30 years ago, the daughter of one of our former presidents brought home to the White House one Friday afternoon a homework assignment. Stumped by a particular question on the Industrial Revolution, she sought help from her mother. Well, the First Lady was also a bit fogged by the question. And in turn, she asked an aide to seek clarification from the Labor Department. And a rush, a rush was put on the request since the assignment was due on Monday. Well, thinking the question was a serious request from the President himself, a Labor Department official immediately cranked up the government computer called in all the staff, kept a full team of technicians and programmers working all weekend long overtime to complete the project. The massive computer printout was delivered finally by truck to the White House on Sunday afternoon. The presidential daughter showed up in class with the official answer the following day. Her teacher, though, her history teacher wasn't so impressed. When the paper was returned to her, it was marked atop with a big red C on it. Her teacher wasn't so impressed, but it's obvious that the Labor Department official was impressed. Why? Because he understood the words to be the president's words, authoritative words. We find that the churchgoers of Capernaum knew an authoritative word when they heard it too. Our text says that they were astonished at Jesus' teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. Now, authority is a thing often misperceived. Authority is not necessarily in how something is said, although that's often the perception of things. You might recall another presidential episode, the memorable claim or the apparent claim made by Secretary of State under President Reagan, Alexander Haig. Remember, it was March 30th, 1981. The new president, Reagan, had been shot by a would-be assassin's bullet. And and there was Haig fielding questions before an information, an obviously information-hungry press corps. And Secretary Haig stated firmly, I am in control here. Authoritatively said, but it wasn't so, according to the presidential line of succession. Authoritatively said, but it wasn't necessarily the case. Whether the bold statement was a claim really to his own authority or not, it's really beside the point because it goes to show that authority, authority is not necessarily in how the words are said. Authority rests in who says it and in what's said. Those synagogue churchgoers, they recognized authority. Now, no doubt Jesus knew how to say it. No doubt that he taught as a master. No doubt his rhetorical skill was unparalleled, his insight divine, his articulation just what it needed to be, his ability to reach intimately each listener unlike any pastor or preacher ever before or ever after. No doubt that it was in part the how that moved throngs to come and hear him and to call this relatively young 30 or so year old Nazarene rabbi or to ascribe to him the reverend title, good teacher. But authority is not necessarily in how it's said, but who says it. And consider who said it. 
Him whom, the, whom, him whom the Bethlehem angels testified that he was the Son of God incarnate. Here speaking, him of whom it was confirmed while he ascended from Jordan's baptismal waters by no less authority than God the Father himself. That yes, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Here speaking as him upon whom the Holy Spirit of God descended like a dove, marking him the anointed, the Messiah, the one sent from God. Here speaking, we heard Moses say it in the Old Testament reading, him of whom Moses by the Holy Spirit once said, it is to him that you shall listen. Here speaking, him of whom the Lord once said, we heard it in the Old Testament reading again, I will raise up from them a prophet like you, Moses. I'll put my words in his mouth, my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. You see, if you want credentials for authority, there it is. There are his credentials. Indeed, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. But the authority wasn't just in who said it, but also in what was said. Because the text says they were astonished at his teaching. At his didache in the Greek. At his doctrina in the Latin text. His doctrine. The word didache can mean his, his act of teaching, but here it seems to indicate also that his doctrine. They were amazed at his doctrine. The truth, true doctrine, possesses its own gravitas, doesn't it? Its own pull, its own weight, its own sway. And the suggestion here, they were, they were dumbfounded, it says, by this new teaching, this new doctrine that they were hearing. It's an interesting Greek word, the word for new, kine. It means new in freshness. New in freshness. Mind you, it wasn't novelty. Jesus wasn't making up something new. No, the truth, as one has said, is ever older than all heresy. He wasn't making up something new, but this didache, this doctrine, was fresh in its newness compared to the stale and the arid doctrine and the stale and the arid homilies of their scribes. Homilies, as one has put it, that were intricate with legal pettiness and labyrinthine system. Those concerned only about priests and Pharisees and temples, synagogues, school Sanhedrin, mostly occupied with things infinitely little. Not holy, this one said, devoid of significance, but occupied a thousandfold more with Levitical minutia about the length of tassels or the washing of hands or cups or platters so that in vain do they worship God, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. No, that was not Christ's doctrine. Not the truth. Christ's teaching? Christ's teaching was fresh. Christ's teaching was this. He says, rest from all the do this and do that. Rest, you weary. I've come to do the work. I've come to bring good news to you, the downtrodden. I've come to heal your brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, 
those captive in sin, to give sight to the inwardly and the outwardly blind. I've come to do the work, is his doctrine. You repent. Repent of all the work that you would do. Repent and rest, he says. I'm the daily bread from heaven. So take and eat. I'm the living, the fresh living waters. So take and drink. Go ahead and take and eat and take and drink. And let me, he says, be the gospel. Christ's teaching. True doctrine is an astonishing thing, isn't it? True doctrine is a blessed thing. Some dismiss it. Doctrine, they, they dismiss it as dead. And some deride it as divisive. Saying it gets in the way of unity. Some render it expendable, saying that what we need are more deeds and, and less creeds. But what was it, do you recall? What was it that was so highly important for the newly resurrected Christ to impart to his Emmaus disciples on that road? Luke writes, in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That's doctrine. Doctrine, it says, and their hearts burned within them as he opened the scriptural doctrine to them. He taught the truth by authority. He taught the truth with authority, not as their scribes. And then in the text, Mark goes on to say, And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Seems like an odd transition, doesn't it? That Mark puts in there, but you know it's not. It's not surprising at all. Think of what was happening there in Capernaum. With his teaching, with his doctrine, Christ Jesus in that sermon is wending his way into darkened hearts, casting his brilliant light upon him. Silently, through his word, silently unlocking, turning the key and unlocking hearts captive in their sin. It's not surprising at all that the devil would want it to stop. See what Luther once said, where, the, where Christ builds a church, right there the devil puts up a chapel. Where the true doctrine of Christ is, there the devil will be at work, and you can count on it. You yourself know. You know the distractions that he throws your way, be it here in your own Capernaum congregation. Right here, while God's work is doing its thing, or you know the distractions that can be at home, all of home's distractions, that would keep us from considering that word of God. And from considering it in prayer. You can count on these distractions to come. The devil will send them. Because, as another has put it, there's nothing the devil despises more than doctrine. There's nothing the devil despises more than, not, than doctrine. There's, there's nothing he says more dangerous to the devil and his demons than for a Christian to know what he believes about Christ and why. And so, not surprising at all, breaking there on the scene, interrupting, distracting, disrupting, disturbing Christ's word, doing its thing in the hearts of the Capernaum congregation. There was this demon. And I'm sure the demon meant it for harm, because they always do. But God meant it for good. 
Because you see, God permitted the demon to speak or to shriek, really. A poignant question for us to consider today. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? What with me, Jesus? It's a good question. It's a good question. What's the answer? Well, we should listen. We should be quiet and silent and listen to the Lord's authoritative word. We don't always do that, do we? Often wrongly, we'll charge ahead, drawing our own conclusions, answering the question ourselves, just like the demon did. Remember, what have you to do with us, Jesus? You've come to destroy us. He answers his own question. And we do that too often. We answer the question ourselves. What have you, Jesus, to do with me? Well, perhaps you've already decided. Jesus would have nothing to do with you. Because of your own demons from yesteryear or yesterday that haunt you, they seem to possess you, the guilt that weighs upon you, the the wrong that you know you've done. But you're wrong. Be silent and listen to him who speaks to you. Wrongly, sometimes we might answer the question that's not ours to answer by saying, I am in control here. And so, Jesus, what, have, what need have I with you? But wrong, again. Be silent and listen to him. Sometimes, in answer to the question, what Jesus of Nazareth have you to do with me, don't, we don't stop, do we? We don't stop and listen to God's authoritative voice. Instead, we put words in his mouth. And we teach doctrines of men as though they were God's didache, his teaching. My friends, listen. Be silent and do no more than listen. Listen to the Lord's answer, the Christ's teaching, his didache to that all-important question, what, Jesus, have you to do with me? I came that you may have life, he says, and have it to the full. I came to save that which was lost, namely you. I came not to be served, but to serve you and to give my life as a ransom for you. I came to destroy him who had the power of death, the devil, by whom you were all held in bondage. I came because my father so loved the world. That he sent me and I willingly came. And I came not to condemn the world, he says, but that the world may have life through me and my cross. What have I, he says, to do with you? I came to lay down my life for you, my friends, so that you who once were far off would now be brought near to God by my blood. I've come, my word, to cleave your darkness. To bespeak you righteous, bright with mine own holiness. I've come to make all things new. Starting right here, right now with you. And so forgetting what wrong lies behind you. Remembering that you're baptismally untangled from and released from and freed from and cleansed from that which possessed you. And stained you. In confidence now. You can press onward in the favor of my Father, he says, to the heavenly goal that I'm keeping for you with my almighty hand.
and my authoritative word. That's his word. That's his teaching. That's what he has to do with you, friends. And don't doubt it. Don't doubt it, but leave this assembly today as free from your demons as that demonically possessed man, that demonically freed man at Capernaum was from his, freed from, by God's authoritative word and backed by his blood. Be not doubting, but believe. You want proof that God's word has weight? Well, then consider, is the sun still set in the sky where God's word once placed it? Do tree and bird and plant and, and beast still bring forth according to their kind as God once decreed? Does the day still follow the night as he once ordered? Does the moon still govern the evening tide as he so commissioned it once to do? Or are the ordered seasons that yet run in succession and the rainbows that yet arc over dry land not enough to assure you of the weight of his word? My friends, take heart and take rest in the teaching of Christ. And then go home today confident in it. Confident that you're freed from your past. You're forgiven in the present. You're beloved by God into heaven's eternal future. If it were my word alone, I'd tell you, take it for what it's worth. But the word is God's. And so take it for what it's worth. In his blessed name, amen.
congregation, the elders, the board chairman, and board members at this time, all of them, uh, whether new or old, please come forward for the process of installation. in our Lord Jesus Christ, having been duly elected or appointed to your various offices or boards in the congregation, you are to cooperate with the pastors of the congregation as you plan and coordinate and conduct the activities and the functions that have been assigned to your respective positions by the Constitution and bylaws of the congregation. In order that we all might be assured of your willingness to assume the duties to which you've been elected or appointed, I now ask you in the presence of God and his people, will you, as God enables you to do so, diligently and faithfully perform the duties of your position in conformity with the scriptures, the confessions of the church, and the constitution of the congregation, working together at all times to maintain peace, unity, and harmony among us? If so, say, I will with the help of God. I will with the help of God. And now I ask the elected and appointed elders of the congregation who are here at this service, there will be more at the second service today, will you, according to your respective positions as administrative teaching and visitation elders, assist the pastors of the congregation by seeing to it that divine services are held regularly and conducted decently and in order, that the word of God is rightly preached and taught, and that the sacraments are administered according to their institution by Christ. Will you, according to your respective positions, assist the pastors by giving attention to the spiritual needs of all members, especially the sick, encouraging members who are neglecting work and sacraments, and do what is necessary to maintain Christian discipline and unity among us? If so, say, I will with the help of God. I will with the help of God. Whereas then you have all committed yourselves to the work which you have been elected or appointed to do, I therefore commit to you your respective offices, and I charge you, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to do all that you do to his glory, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. and for all people according to their needs, we pray. For your church and all of your pastors and people, O Lord, that we may be delivered from the glory of man that only puffs up and be established in the love of Christ crucified that builds up. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the whole assembly of your baptized people here and everywhere, for those chosen to assume positions of responsibility in your church, especially for officers and elders, board chairmen, members of this congregation who dedicated themselves to your services, 
be with them and grant them the guidance of your Holy Spirit that they may be faithful in their duties and thus a blessing to your people, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For all who hold positions of public trust and responsibility, our president, our Congress, and the courts of our land, that they would serve their sacred trust responsibly. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all those who serve the interests of our nation in faraway places, especially our military and diplomats and foreign aid workers, that you, O Lord, would grant them safety as they perform their duties on our behalf. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those among us who are unemployed, that you would sustain them during these difficult days and open onto them doors of opportunity for productive employment, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For our commerce and honest business and industry and the financial institutions of our land, that through the economic challenges of our times we may learn anew how dependent we are upon you and commend ourselves to your care and your keeping as we daily pray, give us this day our daily bread, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who struggle with demons of every sort of temptation and of the darkness of depression, that the light of Christ shining upon them would give them rest and set them free. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who serve and lovingly care for the lonely and for the confused and the troubled and the sick among us, that you, O Lord, would strengthen and confirm them in their vocation of service to your people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who ask in faith the healing touch of the Savior upon their lives, including Martin Borgenhagen, Hugh Ryan, Cleota Woolman, Paul Duell, Robert Latham, Lois Pearson, recovering from a fall, Margaret Schuster, who undergoes chemotherapy, and all those now named in the silence of our hearts, that hearing would be and healing would be granted to each one of them in accord with your perfect will for their eternal welfare. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the families and the friends of those to whom your day of deliverance from earth's pain and sorrows has come, that you would grant them the comfort of your promises, which are all certified by the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ over death and the grave. And even as you encouraged us through the lives of those who have been faithful confessors before us, so also keep us faithful in our confession unto that day when our confession on earth becomes the praises of heaven. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who approach this altar today to receive the very body and the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins, that all who here kneel reverently before you may do so gratefully thanking you for the oneness of faith shared with those beside whom they kneel. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. All these things, O Lord, and whatsoever else you see that we need, grant us. Grant it to us for the sake of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your heart.
It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who out of love for his fallen creation humbled himself by taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient unto death, even death upon the cross. Risen from the dead, he has freed us from eternal death and given us life everlasting. And therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy upon those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and to be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood upon the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us, to you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
everyone what he has done. Let all who seek the Lord rejoice and proudly bear his name. He recalls his promises and leads his people forth in joy. With shouts of thanksgiving, alleluia, alleluia. O God the Father, the fountain and the source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. We ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious on you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.